sending this out. Let's uh, pray. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your mercies to us and all the things that we have done that have displeased you, you have forgiven us. And Lord, as you encourage us and move us and empower us to do the things that do please you, we're grateful. In your son's name, amen. Now, as you can tell from the sermon notes, we are in Isaiah 5. And it was a sort of an accident. I was looking at Isaiah 6 is what I was looking at. And it's one of those awful moments where you really like a passage. And I'd been in a bunch of conversations where I'd quoted Isaiah 6. And I was sort of, you know, when you're doing that during a week, and people are over on the porch, or you're in a discussion with somebody, you're inveighing against something, and he says, it says in Isaiah 6, you know, you say, see, see, but never perceive, hear, hear, but never understand. And I was saying, that was just, I was kind of jazzed about getting into it, so I was looking at Isaiah 6, and then I looked at my sermon records, and I had preached on it last year. So, I couldn't, I couldn't do it, the rules. So I don't think so. I was on the back porch sitting in the smoke this morning, having a cup of coffee. And either my hand inadvertently, I looked down at the page and it wasn't Isaiah 6 anymore, it was Isaiah 5. So I don't know if this is providential or, or what. But it's a great little passage. I hope you will agree. The series of woes that Isaiah gives, starting in verse 8 of chapter 5. And Okay, we're all joking about it by this point. Everyone has got memes up about 2020, and you can talk about the visual acuity thing and the year, and hindsight is 2020, and you hope, dear God, it better not be. We get next year, the five years from now, we don't want to be thinking 2020. We want to be done with this year. But have you ever... Been before 2020, remember you were talking to somebody who's got very modern notions of morality? And they'll say things like, come on, it's 2019. You know, because the suggestion, the chronological snobbery of the modern who says, oh, if you think that homosexual marriage is wrong, you are from the Middle Ages. It's 2019. But right now, Right now, there's a, the, the words die, wither on their lips. Come on, it's 2020. And everybody looks around at the piles of dead bodies and the, the smoke. and the, It's like the ashes of civilization blowing through Idaho. People burning things down in every city. Ambushing cops. It's, you know it's a wreck. And you say, it's only September. We don't, we don't, we don't, not only don't have the end of the year in hand yet, there's an election. And everybody is planning, planning for a civil war, no matter what happens in the election. It'll be short, a weekend. You know why they would say that? Uh, we were talking about this last night 
the Watermans were up from Boise. We were talking about uh, an aspect of this. The reason people, when they, some of you may have done this, where you think your views of the Bible totally affected by the culture of the day, and you know you did it. When you argue with St. Paul about something you don't like in his cultural expression, you think he was wrong to be affected by his culture on whatever issue. And consequently, you're right to be affected by your culture, which is the only thing you can actually prove happened. Because you believe that the now is more progressive, it's more advanced, the now is more advanced than the past. It's nice to have a year like 2020. Because we always think that we've, we got this. It's this year. This is progress. This is advancement. You can't even have a short video program called TikTok without giving away state secrets to the Chinese. You're getting every which way you turn. The stupid is great in this year. Everyone, you know these fires are due to bad forest management practices. You might think it's global warming because you're an idiot. Now, that's what I wanted to be looking at this uh, Isaiah 5 through. That people think they know, what they, they know what they're doing. Now, the woes here in the chapter are predominantly innocuous. Kind of like regular life silliness that we, we do. We don't realize what we're doing. When I've said over the years, the reason was we need a God is because really man, for all of our charm, and you're a, you know, a good-looking bunch, charming, capable, just not bright enough to run your own circumstance, let alone vote for my circumstance. We need a God. We need the agent who would say, no, this is how I made it. You might want to check the manual. We do that all the time. I have a file of manuals that I kept from all the things I bought. And nowadays, young people don't keep the manuals. They just go to YouTube and find out how to change their transmission. We know how valuable that is. I had to replace a um, cable um, on my snowblower a couple of years ago. And it didn't cover that in the manual. And someone told me, because they were wiser and more modern than I, have you checked YouTube? And lo and behold, there was a short video changing that cable on my model of snowblower. So I changed the cable on that, my model of snowblower. We know we need that. Otherwise, I would have a snowblower in parts in my basement still today. I would have just had to go buy a new one. What are those who join house to house, who add field to field until there is no more room? 
and you are made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. The Lord of hosts has sworn in my hearing, surely many houses shall be desolate, large and beautiful houses without inhabitant. For ten acres of vineyard shall yield but one bath, and a homer of seed shall yield but an ephah. Now, I don't know the actual measurements. I'm not... Well, you get the picture that that's not a, whatever a, a homer is and whatever a bath is. I, are we gathering that that's not enough to get out of that many acres? Ten acres ought to give you a lot more. But Isaiah is telling them, and it's not an, uh, this is not some sort of, uh, um, what's that guy, kind of, Three acres and a plow, a neo-agrarian. Um, Wendell Berry, yeah. It's not, it's not necessarily advocating that. You could, you could look at it and, and see that in there, I don't doubt. Because it's, it's like uh, Davis and Benicia lived back east. They lived in row houses in Jersey City, and the houses were connected to one another. There's no side yard. You have to walk through the house to get to the backyard which was the size of the piano. Now, why do we do that? I mean, antiquity, you see ancient cities and every, every building is right up against every building. They couldn't waste any space. He says, woe to you if you join house to house. Is this some sort of biblical morality about suburbia or row houses or apartments or... <coughs> We are looking at man running out, in some cases, innocuous choices that we are doing for an improvement. We have city because we don't want to be spread across the face of the whole earth. We think the city brings us together. You want to be lonely? Go to the city. No matter what you do, joining house to house and field to field, you are made to dwell alone. Everything we do really has sort of that's that law of unintended consequences. You know, where is this? I have it. This is called a phone. I don't know if you've got one of these. Um, they're really hot right now. And uh, this is supposed to bring new world peace. This is connecting everybody everywhere. I can chat, if they know English, someone in Ukraine, you know, get them out of bed. Good morning. How are you doing? Isn't it great how the inventions, and we're already seeing the damage it's doing. What we build, the path, what we do is a path to ruin. For certain reasons. We think that going to the city, crowding as many people in as we can. Again, there's nothing morally wrong with the city. Jerusalem was a city. All sorts of good places were cities. But you, you have to know that there is a woe attached to our thinking we've arrived at something. This is going to be the answer. That we think that the progress of a society... The, the creation of an industrial city and the skyscrapers, and lest they 
we build skyscrapers just like they built the Tower of Babel that will touch the heavens because we're out there proving something about our capability to run our own lives. And we don't know that as it chokes up, as it stops being productive, I've been reading articles and sending them on to Davis and Manisha about the collapse of New York in all of this, the COVID, the riots. And our people out there who dearly love this city and don't think it's ever going to recover this time. It's just too far gone. Empty buildings. And there'll still always be people living in the city and maybe millions of people living in the city. But you can't subtract the X number of million millionaires from the city and not have it affect the city. Because people finally see that no matter what we did, how tall the buildings were, no matter, even though when they drove an airplane into the side of the World Trade Center and then over the course of the next few years built the new, what's it called, One World Trade Center? Kind of a up yours to the rest of the world. We, 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 we came back. But it may be a ghost town. It might come back. But all civilizations are, um, we think it's kind of charming. We went with Davis and Leach to, to Italy a year and a half ago and went to Rome. You know why you go to Rome? Just a, just a thought. For the ruins. For the ruins of Rome. And someday, they'll never come to Moscow for the ruins of Moscow. They will be ruins, but it might not even be anything but a pasture here. There may, they may go to the ruins of Seattle, maybe sooner than we would like. Do we ever learn that our efforts to build, our efforts to progress, our efforts to constrain what we are in generally have, even as innocuous as it gets, these are not rules about Christians should not have a row house. Christians should not live in urban, uh, suburban sprawl. But understand what you're about. This is not where, you might say, balance and tranquility exists. Verse 11, woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening till wine inflames them. They have lyre and harp, timbrel and flute and wine at their feasts. Les and I were walking out of Applebee's last night because that's what old people do. They walk out of Applebee's at a sensible time. We went early so we could get the deals because we're old. We went to Applebee's because it's food that doesn't surprise us. Coming out of Applebee's, there was a group of young men, we can only call them fraternity brothers, making much noise. They seemed like they were you know, they hadn't drunk too much. I mean, it was Applebee's. But they were loud. They were obnoxious. They were 
starting their evening. Commented it to, on my, to my mother that, what, what, you're not my mother, my wife. Um, that's how young men, you don't like to see young women in a gaggle acting like young women do. You don't like to see young men do it either. There's that kind of loud, uh, I need to out-masculinize everyone else. And that's volume and uh, uh, crazy behavior. The problem with someone, so what if you did rise early in the morning and sit on your back porch with your Bible? You say, hey, what are we good? It's hot morning. Get a beer. Pour yourself a beer. Sit there with your Bible, with your beer. It's not some sort of time constraint that you realize it's wrong to drink in the morning. Socially, it may be. It's like wrong, well, you can't wear white now after Labor Day. Um, there are rules. But this is not the Bible trying to come down about someone who is doing a very bad thing by having alcohol go into their system at a, or having music. Remember, it's music and alcohol, lyre and harp and timbrel and flute and wine at their feast. Now, the problem is the part bolded, but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the work of his hands. When we are moving into the city, when you decide to be a minister to, of the kingdom in the city, and you know the houses are built right up next to each other, and you know you have no, you're getting more and more lonely, you should know that about it. You should know the woe that is coming on you. You should know the woe of the person who the innocuous nature of being a hail fellow well met coming out of Applebee's with your friends and playing the music really loud. You know, we, we live in a nice neighborhood and every so often some less kempt car rolls through the neighborhood, either very, very fast because they're proving something by going very fast. But there's that subwoofer in the trunk you're expecting the mirrors to fall off the car because the subwoofer's going. And you say, they're inside that car with the windows up. Their brain's going to be turned to a scrambled egg at the end of this. But loudness and partyishness and music and all the rest, and you sort of feel, you don't know that person personally. They're a young person, you knew that. They don't regard certain more highly rated things in the universe. They do not regard the deeds of the Lord. They do not see the work of his hands. I mean, Rome was a party town. And we go see it for the ruins. Sometimes it's hard to imagine America not being here anymore, uh, but count on it. If the Lord does not return in the next oh, few weeks, we're done. Not because this is a key problem or that's a key problem right now and the end is not, but because all civilizations die. Oh, 
Nothing works. Everything collapses, even when you did it the best possible way. We did it a good way. We had a good run. We should be alert, not, you say, I don't want to live at the time that it's dying. Well, sorry, you know, the Lord didn't actually write this with you necessarily in mind, other than you've been given all the graces necessary to look on it and go, yeah, this is, this is the karma. This is what happens to societies. And it happens tragically to the good people in those societies at the same time. They suffer. Jeremiah suffered. We, when we look at it, we're not, we're not here to, to ink up a sign that says turn or burn, repent or perish, the world will end in two weeks, you know, something like that. We're not here to claim that the smoke outside this building right now is the hand of God. It's exactly what Portland deserves, or Seattle, or California. You're sort of feeling that, but you know, that's what was, what if it is the Lord? He didn't tell you. It's just that Things happen, and they all seem to be happening this year, from murder hornets down through COVID, through fires burning us to the ground, and if anything got freed up from forest fires, somebody in a black mask with bad politics is going to burn it. It's not there for us to point fingers at the world and say, see, you can't prove that. But you as the believer should be knowing in your, in your well of being that what men do, even the most innocuous thing they do, are woes listed. You like music and a beer too much. You like the city too much. Woe to those, verse 18, who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as with cart ropes. This is, that sounds like it's pretty bad. Pass the innocuous here. Now, watch what happens. Look at, the, look at the nature of this. Who say, let him make haste. Let him speed his work that we may see it. Let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near and let it come that we may know it. That was the cords of falsehood drawing sin. What? What, what just happened? I, I don't even know what that is. Everyone, the small things that we do, the small things we believe are progress, the small things we believe are entertainment. Who can have enjoyment apart from God for our parties? Who can have property and advancement apart from God what we try to do just leaves us standing alone in the midst of a crowded space. What we try to do just becomes frat boys making noise in an Applebee's parking lot, not really enjoying life because we understand the deeds of the Lord. What I have. What I have there in verse 18 is another little innocuous device that people do all the time in this world. They switch the onus. Who has to do something? 
your favorite atheists want God to prove himself to them. And the real equation is, if there is a God, don't you think you should be searching for him to find him? Because God is big and you are small. So you might want to go look for him instead of him looking for you. But they've got it all worked out. The lie we're telling is, I'm spiritual. I'm waiting for God to show himself. I want to, I want to have him bear witness to his action. We'll wait for his showing up. Let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near. Let it come that we may know it. And that, that sort of conceit, that sort of conceit, the spiritually sought, you want to be the spiritually sought. Why can't God show him? I know of a person right now who's sort of walked away from the faith. Last time I talked to him, he, uh, he was um, wondering, just going, why doesn't God show himself? I said, because he doesn't want you to know. He, he, he looked concerned. I said, yeah, not, not you as a kind of person, you particularly. Because he doesn't want you to know. He would, why would he show himself to you? You don't look for him. You don't want to find him if you did look for him. And if you did have your question answered, you'd come up with another one so that you could stay in the not looking for him category. That's why. He's not making himself clear. It's because he doesn't want you to believe in him. That's really what happened. They became unbelievers because they really weren't interested in finding God. And God wasn't going to run down their little cul-de-sac and, and, and so, no, wait, no, wait, no, wait, I'm really here. This is God you're dealing with. And this is how we... We set up a society. Isaiah is living in the 700s BC. The Assyrians are going to be coming in. He prophesies that later in the chapter. <coughs> Punishment. We have all sorts of little cultural slippages that we think are just fine. Bad real estate principles. Don't realize how damaging they can be. Sociological ones without a grounding of your God and the works of your God so that you know where to put your beer and your singing. Otherwise, again, frat boy in the Applebee's parking lot. Do you want that on your resume? Evan and Leslie might be embarrassed because we're two old people in the Applebee's parking lot, but that's not mentioned here in Isaiah 5. Verse 20, woe to those who call good evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's like when somebody gives you some chocolate, but it's like really, really dark chocolate up there in the 90-something percentile, but you thought they said chocolate, and it's not. It's some sort of brick. Now, a verse like this, this is, you see this and you're, you know, yes, this is, Evan, yeah, I could see the innocuousness of 
cityscapes and, and party mentalities and, and people who are switching where the seeking happens, God seeking you, not you seeking God. But here, this is like the movie Cuties, right? Everybody's going to say about Netflix, do I cancel it or not? You know, uh, you know, pedophilia. No, it's really good. No, being a tranny is really good. No, you have to say tranny is good. We see this in the, in the world, right? Who call evil good and good evil. That, we didn't just... We didn't just walk up to a, a moment and unsuspectingly, suddenly, someone is yelling, evil is good and good evil. Our behavior, much of what we do is a, as a conspirator, a fellow conspirator. There's, there are guys who dress up in women's clothes and want to be believed to be women. Well, good luck with that. We think that's just, well, that's for us, we Christians in the culture war, it's just horrors. What are we going to do? But really, they're doing that because you did certain things that you thought were okay because they were you. You wrote yourself a privilege to follow your own lusts. You didn't want to dress up in women's clothes. God bless you. What did you want to do that you knew your God didn't want you to do? We're going to end, we end up here because as soon as we start writing ourselves a check for doing what we want because we want to do it, we have to write the same check for everyone. Your world becomes this. Not everyone is violating you know, sexual mores. Not everyone is a pervert. Some people just might be Nazis. Some people just might be, you know, some kind of, you know, voodoo Satan cult. Well, freedom of religion. You thought it was just allowing Baptists to get together. The way we function in a moral world, the way we function... Um, with ourselves and our moral choices and the grants we give ourselves, are we fellow conspirators with those who are writing big checks out on the fringe of morality? Having to, because once you say, what makes it good for you is that you want to do it, well, then what makes it good for the tranny is that he wants to do it. Simple. If it was a good enough excuse for your sin, why can't it be a good enough excuse for their sin? In other words, your good became evil and your evil became good. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. I should have read that, you know, when we, some of the things that we could say, and I, I took this as a warning, this verse, to what I would say or what I would suggest. I, I'm mostly talking through the possibilities of these uh, uh, warnings about payout, what's going to happen. There's going to be a woe that falls on us, a ruin that lands on us because of some pretty seemingly innocuous sociological things. 
But I could imagine that first one about the joining house to house. Again, probably a whole school of thought could develop with the Christians inveighing against suburbia because it is morally wrong. You say, yeah, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Why shouldn't you not overthink things? Because we're stupid. We know, we know that. <laughs> we know that our egos can't spot where we're being dumb. Have you ever discovered you were dumb in a moment? You know, really dumb. And nobody else really saw that. I've, I've had any number of experiences of this where I'd been using a word incorrectly. I told you that story, right? That at, at an education conference, where was it? Charlotte? sitting around talking with the other speakers. I was a speaker. Cigar in hand. Drinks were served. It was a time of, of bliss, me and the other notables, until Evan used a word incorrectly because he didn't know what it really meant. And the other guy graciously leaned forward and told me, that word doesn't mean that. I'm lecturing at an education conference. You can tell I felt that moment. I can, I can still picture right now his face leaning forward. And I even fought the suggestion he made initially because I was so sure that no, it meant this. It didn't. He was right. I was stupid. Now, that's when you find out, right? When someone tells you you're like a bag of hammers, you're really, you know, I think that I've been thinking recently, 2020, that this would be the answer to many political debates. You want to walk up and say, you really are this manifestly stupid, aren't you? You are this stupid. There are people, I have the, the notes here, the Dunning-Kruger effect. You've heard me mention it before. There's a huge swath of people who are too stupid to know they're not smart enough to know they're that stupid. There's a huge spike at the lower end of the intelligence scale of people who think they're smarty, much smarter than they are. And then there are people just past that they go, who had the little conversation in Charlotte who suddenly realize that they're a wise fool. You know, they're just a... And then you, get, then you go down to the bottom and then you have to earn your way back up with a PhD at the other end. Woe to those. Something's coming. When you're not thinking about the things God has made, when you're counting on the things you have made, when you're not adjusting your celebration with the work of God's hands, when you think it is up to God to convince you he's there rather than your obligation to find him, when you have a lazy man's guide to morality 
and you've given yourself certain freedoms. When you think you're smarter than you are. This is a passage, verse 22 is one I would like. There's a lot of great passages in this list of woes. You might want to go back to Isaiah 5 and you know, read through it again. See what benefits you can get. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine. And valiant men in mixing strong drink. Who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. You know, we think that a man who can put a ball this big through a hoop that big, a lot, is a hero. And we should listen to him for our sense of justice. Yeah. Or some, you know, almost mental defective who's been on a line in a high school, then college, now a pro team, telling me how to think politically. When your heroes are dumb heroes, when your valiant are LeBron James, LeBron James begins to think that he deserves to be in charge of stuff because he He's a toy. He's a toy the society plays with. But we have decided that the guy who's sh shaking the drink behind the counter, was there a Tom Cruise movie about that back in the 80s? Probably. Uh, guys working at a bar. What? Cocktail, yeah. Fancy tricks with the shakers. All the women want you because you know how to mix a drink. You know, it seems like it's an eternal stupid. All societies are doing the exact same things. Let's make the guy who is the playing the record, he's up with the sound system, with the lights and the flash pots going off, and he's got this backward turntable. He can go, and he makes the, the next song come on. He is a disc jockey. Those guys are famous. Those guys are, are great Americans. Heroes, valiant men. We're wrong. When we pick the wrong heroes, you know, someone who kills a giant's a hero. Someone who rescues a bunch of kids from a burning, you know, uh, school bus lit on fire by some terrorists. He runs in there and grabs 28 of them under his arm and runs out again. That's a hero. Nobody who plays a game. I remember when Magic Johnson became a hero. You know why he became a hero? He got AIDS. so heroic. And in it, he admitted he had slept with something like 3,000 women. I'm not kidding. Thousands. And it was so heroic that he had a disease that he got from this sort of behavior. We are really stupid people. Our society is stupid. We should not be, though. We should be, we should go, okay, I read Isaiah 5. 
I know that if we value these people incorrectly, they will not bring justice to the mix because there are people that are heroic for a non-valuable reason. They will get their friends off any charges. They will deprive the innocent of their right of due process because they're not capable people. We labeled them heroes before they belonged in the category. Now, at this point, we're not only at the end of my time, essentially, virtually. You say, well, that's good to hear, Evan, because here we are at the end of the column. There's a few more words there. Don't go on too long. Well, you can imagine my surprise because I accidentally ended up in Isaiah 5, having been in Isaiah 6. And I'm reading the last set of verses that I'd have to wrap this up with. Therefore, as the tongue of fire devours the stubble. And I went, what? And as the dry grass sinks down in the flame, I said, what, what? I didn't intend this to be, I'm looking through the Old Testament for something that would reflect our current misery. It all reflects our current misery. This is 2020, the year of great stupid. I know some people have the sniffles. The sniffles killed some people. Let's destroy the American economy. I don't know. Good idea. Let's do it. Now we've got to figure out a way to undestroy it. We deserve to burn. So their root will be as rottenness and their blossom go up like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. It says in Revelation, the smoke of her rises forever at the destruction of Jerusalem. The smoke of her rises forever. And the righteous rejoice to see the smoke of a city burning. And I don't say, well... This is what Christians should feel about Seattle or Portland. No. I have no prophetic word that this is the hand of God doing the riots or doing the forest fires. But we have to realize that no matter what time we live in, no matter how it is, there is a secular, sometimes fake religious, a secular world and a religious world all involved in making the society following Certain patterns that always occur, urbanization, uh, good times had by all, dealing with their spirituality, dealing with ethics, all ethics. When you look at pedophilia trying to be normalized when 10 years ago Barack Obama said it would not be right for gay people to be married. And now we're talking about pedophilia. You'd think we're not in the midst of something like this. And whatever it is, it's, it's not so much that, that the Assyrians are going to go, what are the Canadians in this case? The Canadians are going to invade and, and, and teach us a lesson. It's not that the fires are this from God. But whatever the case, we should recognize the folly. We should recognize the sins. We should recognize the answer. 
we know there's a payout. And we have despised as a people, as a nation, educationally, all sorts of things. Um, finding the sense of life, finding the meaning of life, finding righteousness in life. We are uh, not to despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. And when I go back to it, when I look at the things God has done, when you're the kind of person who looks at God to think of the things God has done, your celebration over music and a beer with your friends is exactly what the doctor ordered. You have become more sensible. You're no longer dumber. You're not wise in your own eyes. You have gotten the wisdom from God. You're encouraged to be shrewd by Jesus Christ. But when you're shrewd in your own sight, then it's a problem. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he stretched out his hand against them and smote them. And the mountains quaked, and their corpses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. It hasn't gotten that bad. Even the plague that we are crying. People are not dropping over dead here in church. I've not seen a single person drop dead in six months. But they were dying in the streets when Isaiah was ministering. Their corpses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all this, his anger is not turned away. And his hand is stretched out still. Now, he was talking about still to where he is prophesying, not I get to take that and say, well, still, 2020. But he is the kind of God that can really be PO'd at humanity. Doesn't want his world run this way. He made it to be holy. He made it to be obedient. He made it to be enjoyed. How are we going to, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, how are we going to convince him not to? The righteousness of the righteous. Well, our righteousness should have legs on it in this town. Our goodness to one another, our goodness to the secular and the, the people of different churches. We should be conscious that we might be able to, with repentance, even Nineveh was saved from destruction. Absolute paganism. Repent and God forgives. We don't want his anger stretched out still over us because we insist on being vacuous, like this list of woes. Um, let's be doing the righteousness the Lord requires of us, even if we're a small group of Christians, but we've looked at it, we've thought about it, we want his righteousness, we want the effect of our knowledge of the holy to be uh, something that will save our town. Not save it conversion-wise, but save it from being a pasture in 12 years. Okay? Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. Give us the kind of goodness informed by what you have done, what you consider good. Let us seek you. Let us find our companionship in you and in your church. We'd ask that you would Bring about good from our efforts and our thinking. Help us save the lives of those who persist in folly. Lord, for our sake, 
and what we plan and are able to do, we'd ask that you would cleanse many of the problems that are affecting this part of the nation. For your people, in your son's name, amen.